Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts, Spen and Nick, and we're about to get to the Brooklyn Nets victory over the Cavaliers. But before we do, you and I played basketball on Saturday in Manhattan with our cousin Ryan in an indoor pickup. Uh, we played for about two hours, played a total of five games. I think we went three and two, but this was one of the only times in our life that I outplayed you. And I haven't stopped thinking about it or talking about it since Saturday. Well, we were on the same team. It wasn't like we were guarding each other. If we were guarding each other, you wouldn't have scored. Look, I shot the lights out of the place. I was like a young Patty Mills in his prime. You played like Timothy Luwalu Cabarro last season. And uh, I think that's why we lost a few games. We won a few games. But I needed to put that out there. I, for one day, was better than Nikki at basketball, which... Usually doesn't happen. Nick is usually much more efficient at scoring the basketball than me. I'm more of a smarter, better passer, better defender. I make the right hustle plays. But for one day, I was Cam Thomas. Nick was Javon Carter. All right, let's move on to this Nets victory. One of the better wins of the season, Nick. You know, we just won two games in a row against a undermanned Cavaliers team on Wednesday against a young but not so talented magic team on Friday. The Cavaliers are no joke, Nick. They got Jared Allen back. They got Laurie marketing back coming into this game, nine and eight. They really gave it to us. Those first two quarters, they were up 27 to 24 after one 36 to 28 was the score differential in the second. They also outscored us in that quarter. I feel like I'm going to say this a lot during this podcast, but Blake Griffin, two points in nine minutes, he was just eaten alive by Jared Allen. Every time he was on Allen, it was either a foul, it was a dunk. Blake couldn't do anything tonight. And I think that he might have lost his starting role because at halftime, Steve Nash made the adjustment to start LaMarcus Aldridge with that starting five and uh, turned out pretty good. Aldridge in 34 minutes registered his first double-double of the season, 21 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, Kevin Durant, who started the game very slowly, was sort of rusty in that first quarter. He finished with 27 points, nine assists. James Harden, who, you know, it's funny because he hasn't been getting those high assist numbers that we're used to. 14 points and 14 assists for Harden. He really seemed to be making the right read on the defense Almost every single time he touched the ball in this one. Yes, he had a few turnovers, and I'm about to pull his turnover number up right now. But for the most part, Harden was excellent tonight. I mean, I'll take 14 and 14 from him any day of the week. Uh, His turnover number, he had five turnovers tonight. So again, you don't love to see that, but I'll take those 14 assists any day of the week. Um, going down the roster, Patty Mills, another great game for Patty Mills, 17 points, but he was a plus 20 in this one. His energy on the court just seemed to be contagious. He had that huge sequence where Rubio was called for an offensive foul on the shot. And then Patty Mills hit a three pointer that yes, didn't show us because they were showing us the Ricky Rubio replay. So Mills was excellent. 
Uh, before I get to my personal star of the game, because I just mentioned the top three stars of the game in Aldridge, uh, Durant, and James Harden. Um, I mean, what, what were your thoughts on this win? You know, the Cavaliers have some serious talent in marketing, Jared Allen, and Darius Garland. Garland had 24 and 11 assists in this one. Uh, Markkanen had 22 points, eight rebounds, and Jared Allen finished with 20 points and 15 rebounds. Well, let's not forget that Evan Mobley did not play. Correct. Uh, for either the third or fourth game, he's averaging 15 and eight this season. His combination with Jared Allen is what would have been really dangerous for us. Uh, might, the game might have swung the other way. And we uh, don't have a- Joe Harris. That, Joe Harris did not play in this right. game either, so we're, we're both a little banged up. We don't have Joe Harris, which definitely affects our spacing on the floor. Or Nick Claxton. And I would have liked to see Jared Allen and Nick Claxton match up. I think that would have been a fun matchup. That would have been cool. Uh, well, we'll get to Joe Harris and spacing kind of later on because that, that's kind of more of the Warriors take. But, uh, I mean, this was a big game. This win put us at 13-5 and five on the season. First place passing the Bulls, who are currently 12-5. and five. Uh, And this put the Cavs on a four-game losing streak. The Cavs were 9-5 and five, uh, sitting in the Eastern Conference playoffs and just got booted out so they're now nine and nine uh which is a tough look because like you said this Cavs team is young they've got some good talent Jarrett Allen and Mobley down low are nice I like Garland's game he is shifty he was getting some good looks at the end there that he was just kind of flubbing but he was getting to the rack easily he was just blowing the layups he can handle the ball man I mean look I'm not I'm not gonna say he's a top five ball handler yet but he might be top 10 I mean, some of those moves he had, whether it was Carter covering him, Harden, um, I mean, we threw a lot of bodies at Garland. He managed to get around us almost every single time. He's got a nice three-point shot. He's got a nice touch around the rim. Uh, Very crafty player. Really enjoyed watching him play. Rubio played nice for the Cavs, 16 points for him, five assists, seven rebounds. But we got to get to my main man for the Brooklyn Nets. So Cam Thomas, who, who we drafted, uh, in the first round, I forgot what slot we took him. It was at the end of the first round. He's a guy who obviously could score the basketball. He was a co-MVP in the summer league with Davion Mitchell of the Sacramento Kings. He was a stud at LSU. I think he led the team in scoring as a freshman. Um, and he is just a guy who Nets fans knew would take a little time to develop. But I expected Nash. It's almost like you're playing cards. And you have a great hand, but you want to wait till later in the game to play it. I think we all know what Cam Thomas is capable of, but he's young. He's a rookie. You don't want to throw him into the fire just yet. So he's been only playing garbage time up to this point in time, and he hasn't been playing great. But how could you expect a guy to play great when he comes in with two minutes left in the game and the Nets are up 15? And I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and I I don't take any names because I'm not a petty person. But a lot of people on Twitter said Cam Thomas isn't NBA ready. He's got to develop in the G League. He's not ready for the NBA yet. The man scored 46 points in a G League game the other day. 46. If you're scoring 46 points in the G League, I think you can come into the NBA and hit a few shots. So tonight, after you know we've had injuries to Bruce Brown and Joe Harris, they were out of this game. Um, our guards are basically James Harden. Patty Mills, and Javon Carter. That's it. So we needed Cam Thomas to play a little bit of time today, and it happened to be meaningful minutes. What did Cam do in 15 minutes, Nick? He went four of seven from the field, two of three from three-point range, 
He had 11 points. He had an, a beautiful and one. He had no assists, but he had a few really nice passes that could have led to assists, three rebounds. But it was his energy. It was that spark plug off the bench, the Nets in that first half, because KD was rusty. Harden wasn't looking to score. The Nets were begging someone on this team, please, please score the ball. Wasn't going to be James Johnson, who finished four of 13 from the field with nine points. I don't, much, like when he, I don't like when he touches the ball. As much as I and Eagle wanted to try to wax poetic about him, this is a running theme with James Johnson. With the exception of that game in Orlando, where he all of a sudden decided to act like he was Kevin Durant, actually had a really good game against Orlando, he has no touch around the rim. He misses layups more than I do in pickup games. And that's saying something because I miss a lot of layups. He is a terrible three-point shooter. I want to say he's only made maybe one or two in the in the entire season. This He had one in this game. He was one of four. But he just makes very bad decisions with the basketball. Now, the Nets got lucky. And the fact that KD and, and James Harden and Patty Mills were so – and LaMarcus Aldridge, those four guys were so great down the stretch – James Johnson was able to kind of hit some, you know, he had that wide open layup towards the end where Durant fed him and, and he hit the bucket. Um, he had a dunk at one point, but but the Nets were begging someone all game. Anyone outside of the four guys I mentioned, Mills, Aldridge, Harden, and Durant, step up, do something. It wasn't Javon Carter. It wasn't DeAndre Bembry, who ended up with eight points on four of 10 from the field. It was Cam Thomas. And he came into the game in that third quarter when it looked bleak for the Nets. And he finished that third quarter beautifully. They ended up beating the Cavs in that third, 32 to 19. They beat the Cavs in the fourth, 33 to 30. And that was all she wrote. This was an awesome win against not a top tier Eastern Conference team, but definitely definitely a middle of the pack. I mean, the Cavaliers, once they get Mobley back, could absolutely be in the playoff contention uh, debate come, you know, May, April, whatever. But just an all-around great win. Defensively, they tightened it up. I mean, holding Cleveland to 19 in that third was huge. Obviously, Cleveland went for 30 in the fourth, but I, you know, you're playing at home. It's going to be tough to hold a team down in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, I was just super impressed with with those five guys that I mentioned, the, the four stars plus Cam Thomas. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to third quarters later on because we were struggling a couple games uh, coming out of the half hot. So. It was nice to see these back-to-back -back games where we come out in the third quarter strong. Overall, net shot 47%, Cavs 39. Uh, Three-pointers, we were 31%, Cavs were about 32%. So shot better than the team. Uh, Three-pointers were around the same. Uh, we actually had another nice low turnovers, actually sub-10 when our average turnovers is 14. We only had nine turnovers this game compared to the Cavs 12. So a good one all around. I want to shout out KD. Because you mentioned KD may not have had the best offensive scoring game. He had two plays down the stretch. And this is why KD is such a valuable player. He had that pass to James Johnson to make the lead uh, uh, kind of almost it was five points, right? Yeah. Yeah, with like a minute or two left. So he kind of uh, uh, gave them enough to, to sit comfortable and kind of make the Cavs have to scramble, which eventually led us to a victory. And he had a sick one-handed rebound over Jared Allen with like a minute I saw left. That. So I, I want to shout out KD doing the things he needs to do to contribute, even when it's not his jump shot. He was selfless tonight once you realized it wasn't really his game scoring wise, and he hustled his ass off. And that's what it's going to take to win our scores. No ego, just being a team player, doing whatever needs to be done. Real fast, a few questions before we move on. 
Um, were you surprised that James Johnson got 29 minutes of action versus Paul Millsap's 10? Well, let's remember Paul Millsap first came back from an injury. Paul Millsap has been a little slower. Uh, he is a big body, but I think James Johnson just matched up against this team better. This is a super athletic, super big team. Rebounding was going to be tough from the get-go. Uh, Blake Griffin, obviously not in his peak. LaMarcus Aldridge is a great rebounder. Again, you have Jared Allen. You have all these guys flying in. I think Garland's a defensive threat. So I think James Johnson was just a body play. He's also a good, almost uh, like an instigator. He's a, he's a good physical guy that kind of incites uh, a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say incites like violence, but he's kind of, he, he, he's an enforcer. He's an enforcer. Right. That's he what he, he takes the intensity up a notch. He's physical. He's aggressive. He, 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 got, he, he got a technical. He did get a technical. Um, look, I'm not going to kill the guy. I mean, he, he was part of that you know, final five down the stretch and, and he did score a key bucket, but man, he had some plays throughout this game, James Johnson, where you just shook your head and you're like, why is he out there? Whether it was airballing that three. Um, okay, he airballed the three, but he hit his next three. Like a He two did hit the that. next three. Yeah. Uh, the other person I want to talk a little bit about is Javon Carter. I, I, I called you at halftime. He frustrates me so much because sure, when he's open, he shoots it. And you want to see an NBA player, especially a guard, shoot when they're open from three. But he's not streaky because streaky guys can get hot. Javon Carter's never hot. He almost has to go two for six or three for eight or something around that 20 to 30% from three-point range. It's insane. He took six three-pointers in this game, and I'm telling you, five of them were wide open. Yeah, I know. I saw that. And you had a nice Patty Mills moment just kind of giving him some confidence. Listen. He, especially when Bruce Brown and Joe Harris are, he's going to have to play a role. I, I, I like the confidence. He did hit a couple of them. A couple of them were wide open. That just looked left his hands ugly. But listen, what is he going to do? We need people to score besides Duran Harden. Obviously, uh, we have players like Patty Mills and Aldridge who step up. But we always talk about someone having to fill that role. It was James Johnson against the Magic. He wants to be that guy. And I think Nash gives him permission to fire when he's open. And hey, his shot doesn't look that bad. He seems to be, you know, not hesitating when he takes it. I think, you know, he'll he'll find his rhythm unless we have kind of a Shamit situation where he has a full year of coldness and we dump him. Don't, so don't insult Landry Shamit like that. Shamit's having a great. I saw one Shamit's Suns game. Awesome. He crushed it. My, my, my problem with Carter is, and shout out Landry Shamit, former net. My problem with Carter is, I think he's not a bad mid-range jump shooter. Like I like the way his shot looks. But I feel like when he shoots threes, it's the same sort of rhythm and flow that you would see from him shooting a mid-range jumper. And to me, those two things are different. You shoot a three slightly different than you shoot a mid-range jumper. But that's just you can't have one good pickup game and think you're good at shooting. All right. So (laughs) the last thing I'll say about the Cavs game before we move on. Well, I'm not. I I wanted. I wanted to talk Blake a little bit, but yeah. Oh, well. The last thing I was going to say is why did they sit Kevin Love at the end of the fourth quarter? He was actually shooting the ball well and rebounding the ball really yeah. well. He finished with 12 and 8, and they opted to put Dean Wade in. And I didn't stutter. Yeah. It's not D Wade. It's Dean Wade. He is a lot worse than Dwayne. Um, I don't I don't really know his background. I mean, I'll look it up. Dean Wade. Uh, look, I, uh, I have no 25 idea. 25-year-old guy out of Kansas State University. He's averaging five points a game and four rebounds this year. It just seemed like Kevin Love had one game where he was actually finding his stroke a little bit. He had a nice deep three, and then they kind of put him out. And listen, we are a small team. Kevin Love could have had an impact of stretching the floor as a big, but then also crashing boards. So 
I just didn't think that was a great move for the Cavs part, but that's just me. We don't know if Kevin Love has a minutes restriction coming back off injury. Uh, Dean Wade's a younger guy. Maybe he matches up with Kevin Durant a little bit better than Kevin Love. I don't know the reason, but I'm not going to lose sleep over why Dean Wade played over Kevin Love. Um, I brought it up earlier. We're going to talk about Blake Griffin later in the show as well. But this was a really sort of, in my opinion, um, changing of the tides at the center position. Once Aldridge started that third quarter and the Nets offense clicked pretty quickly, uh, I am not sure if Blake will be the starting center moving forward. They asked Steve Nash about it after the game. They said, are you considering starting LaMarcus over Blake moving forward? And Nash gave a half-assed coach's answer. Oh, everything's on the table. We're, we're going to talk long and hard. We consider everything, whatever the case. Um, but it's clear to me, and I think it's clear to every Nets fan, that one of these guys, I'll bet he's older, is still a top-tier scoring talent in LaMarcus Aldridge going 10 of 14 for 21, whereas one guy has not just struggled to find his shot, Nick. He has no touch whatsoever from the outside. He gets pushed around by centers that are bigger than him. And, uh, uh, you know, you go back his stat lines to the last few games. He can't break 10 points. It's like a miracle if he scores more than 10. And the, the worst part about it all is he can't really rebound the ball either. Half of his rebounds, he's tipping it to Harden or Durant. He, he's, he's getting boxed out by guys that are bigger and smaller than him. He's picking up these ticky-tack fouls. Look, Nash can totally rearrange Blake Griffin's role. And I think coming off the bench, he can have an impact. But right now, he should not be the starting center for this team moving forward. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll say two things. Uh, I agree, really, right now his only saving grace is taking charges, which is which is a cool attribute. He's always been a league leader in charges taken. That's a Blue collar, boys. Um, with that said, I agree. He's, he's, an, he's a liability out there, uh, both at this point offensively and defensively to me. But what I will say is that's what we're seeing on the surface. When I was 12 years old, Jason Collins was on the New Jersey Nets, and he averaged about two points a game and two rebounds a game, yet he was the starting center. And I emailed Rod Thorne, who at the time was the general manager of the New Jersey Nets. I said, listen, I'm a diehard Nets fan. Jason Collins is not putting up good numbers. Why is he in the lineup? And Rod Thorne responded to me, which was really cool as a, as a little boy Nets fan. And Rod Thorne said, hey, Nikki, thank you so much for your message. I'm so happy you love the Nets and that you're concerned with our team and you want us to do well. He said, Jason Collins has all the intangibles. He's a vet. He's a good hype man. He sets great screens. He calls out picks. He hedges. He does all the little things that you don't notice extremely well. And the things you do see, the scoring, the rebounding, are not his strong suit. So what I will say is there might be a thousand things Blake Griffin provides to this team that we don't see on the surface, which is why he's getting so many minutes. Or we might just be lacking enough big men in the rotation and have injuries right now with Claxton to have any other choice. So I don't want to rule out the fact that Blake Griffin could be having a positive impact on this team, despite the fact that we're not seeing it for ourselves firsthand. Jason Collins was never asked to be a stretch five. He was never asked to score. He was never asked to hit threes. All his job was, was basically to rebound the ball and cover the opposing center. And I think he did that adequately enough to play a good amount of seasons in the NBA. Blake used to be one of the best athletes in this league, a high-flying dunker who can put up 25 in his sleep. 
Uh, actually, he probably was he 22, 23 at his peak in the, on the Clippers. Whatever the case is, clearly he's a shell of himself. But last year, he was able to come in for the Nets and hit that three-point shot, give the Nets good minutes, and be a factor on defense. I have not seen any of that this year, and I, I just don't – if you change his role, maybe that will ignite something in him to play better. But right now, he's lost out there. Um, Jason the College f- averaged 0.9 rebounds uh, yeah. a game for the Nets. Point the, one, the one thing I will say, and this is the last quote, then we're going to move on. Cam Thomas, uh, he's speaking with the media after the game. He said, it's big time for the two best players to have the trust in you to knock down those shots, speaking about Harden and Durant. That's big time, especially for a rookie. Just for them to have that confidence in me to knock down open shots means everything to me. Can't thank those guys enough for that. So that's nice. Nice words from Cam Thomas. All right. I also just want to say a quick speedy recovery to Colin Sexton, who was averaging 16 points a game for this Cavs team. Young, talented guard, averaged 24 points a game last year. And then they kind of surrounded him with a lot more talent, which diminishes scoring role, but he still looks good. Torn meniscus out for the season, but want to wish all the best to Colin Sexton. I know it, it sucks. That does suck. All right, Nick, let's move on. We're going to go all the way back to last week on Tuesday night, one of the more highly anticipated matchups of this early season ended up being a blowout, and it was not in the Nets' favor. The Warriors beat the brakes off the Nets 117 to 99 in Barkley Center. Uh, this was a tough loss, man. I mean, you know, it was a competitive game up until halftime and then the third quarter happened. And I know there was a statistic out there, uh, after this game, I think the Warriors have outscored their opponents, like right after Tuesday night. Um, it was 120 by 124 points. Like that was their plus minus in the third quarter, which is just insane. Uh, they put up 35, we put up 18. The game was essentially over. Uh, Nets could not stop Steph Curry, 37 points for him, 12 of 19 from the field, nine of 14 from three point range. Uh, Andrew Wiggins chipped in 19. He got hot in that second quarter. Jordan Poole had 17 Draymond green with 11, eight and six. Uh, but even though the Nets couldn't stop the Warriors on defense, nobody could really get it going on offense. James Harden finished with 24 points. It was a pretty meaningless 24, uh, KD ended his 20-point game streak. He only had 19 points in this one on 6 of 19 from the field. Him and Harden did not see the court in the fourth quarter because the game was essentially a blowout. Uh, and nobody else outside of Bruce Brown, who had 14, scored more than 10. Um, so, you know, what were your thoughts after this game? There was a lot of talk that this was sort of a humbling loss for the Nets, and it sort of put them in that you know, category right outside the three or four best teams in the NBA. Well, let me start with a fun fact. You know who the all-time leading 20-point uh, streak leader is for the Nets, who has the most games of 20-plus points in a row? I'm going to guess it's Vince Carter. Correct. I believe the number is 23 20-point games in a row for Vince Carter. Uh, Kevin Durant didn't didn't really come close to that number, which is too cool. Nets fact for you there. Um, Listen, I hate to say this, but – the moral of the story is the Warriors right now are a better team than the Nets are. And I don't mean talent wise. Uh, I don't mean athleticism wise. I literally mean chemistry wise. Well, have, I, I would say athleticism wise, they are better than the Nets because the really? Nets are one of the, yes, Jonathan Kaminga, the guy they drafted is an insane athlete. Iguodala is still athletic. Andrew Wiggins. You want to talk about Gary Payton, the second he's dunking on motherfuckers every single game. 
Yes, I don't, like, I don't like how you said that, but Bembry is a freak athlete. Bruce Brown, Javon Carter has hops. So we have players too. If you're just talking about natural athleticism, my whole there's no point of arguing who's more athletic, Javon Carter or Kuminga. They're both irrelevant. It's Kuminga. It's They have two high flyers, Nick. These guys can dunk over seven footers. Is Javon I, Carter? That's not why. That's footer? not why we lost. That's not why we lost. Yes, we but, didn't but lose because Gary Payton the second could dunk. I understand, so, but the to point say of that we're argument, more athletic. Okay, go on. Sure, and I'm not saying that's okay. It doesn't matter. We got off topic. It doesn't yeah. matter. The point being, they're a better team than we are. Because, dude, and I've said this from day one this season, I get worried how often Harden and Durant uh, just slow the ball up. Not even in transition, just on, like, starting on half-court offense, they just run up to the corner and they kind of wait for something to open up that they could take. They're not instantly moving the ball. They're not passing it, running instead of uh, back screen off ball. They're not doing really anything until they need to create for themselves. And that's what worries me. The Warriors are the best passing team in the league they're the most selfless team in the league and they just look like they practice moving without the ball more than anybody else in the league someone's always cutting back door someone's always setting a down screen someone's always coming all the way around to try to get an open three someone's always creating for Steph Steph Curry right now is the outright favorite for MVP in the league everybody knows he's the best shooter of all time how does he still get that open and it's because they are an unbelievable team when it comes to creating space, diversions, and movement. And we don't have that right now. And we fall for it hard. I want to say one of a few things is how uh, they talk in mafia movies. I want to say one of a few things. That's a con- – yeah, you're not a big mobster movie guy, so you wouldn't have heard that phrase. Number one, this offense relies way too heavily on Kevin Durant and James Harden to work. Kevin Durant had his first – if you want to call it off game of the season, he just couldn't really early on. He was pretty much on fire, but that second and third quarter, he sort of, lo- sort of lost it. Um, he took a lot of shots in that third quarter. None of them were falling. Uh, the problem is when him and Harden aren't producing at a high efficient rate on offense, you need those third and fourth guys to step up. And unfortunately in this one, Patty Mills, only eight points, three of eight from the field. Uh, Blake Griffin, another dud in this one, 0-4 from the field for four points. And LaMarcus Aldridge did not see the court until the third quarter. And every Nets fan was asking, is he hurt? Is he injured? Why isn't he playing? Well, he got out on the court, and he showed you exactly why he wasn't playable in that first half. Because, and this brings me to my second point, the Warriors are so good at getting Steph the ball in situations where he has a mismatch. I mean, in that first half, he was picking on Blake Griffin. I remember there was one scenario where he was off ball. He he faked coming to the three-point line. Griffin bit on the fake. Curry walked past him. Someone gave him the ball. He had a wide-open layup. I think Blake might have fouled him, too. When Aldridge went in the game in that third quarter, Curry literally went on a run by himself, just ruined Aldridge on a few moves, um, and he showed you why you can't really play a big if the Nets are going to switch on everything with Curry. And the other part of that is, do you really think that Bruce Brown and DeAndre Bembry and these guys who are pretty good defensively, do you think they're practicing covering players off the ball that move like Steph Curry? The answer is they should be. If you watch the film, you should be studying what you need to study for your next opponent. I, I understand that, but my point is nobody moves without the ball like Steph Curry. And nobody can hit those shots from five to six feet beyond the arc like Steph Curry. So and nobody but, can get as wide open as Steph Curry. So we, no, I agree. We caught him on a hot night. He was on fire. Um, a hot season. 
KD and Harden weren't elite. That hurt us. Our role players didn't step up. Uh, and I think you said it best. They are a much better all-around team than us right now. They're deeper. They might not have more, like, like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Firepower. Athleticism. No, I'm not looking for athletic. They're way more athletic than us. They don't have that firepower, you know, two superstar tandem that we have right now. They have Curry, and then your next best player is probably a tie between Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole. And the scary thing is Clay Thompson's not even back yet. I know. I know. I know. They're they're a force to be reckoned with. But this brings me to, to sort of the end of this, and that is, do you buy the notion that right now, and Steve Nash admitted this after the game, the Nets aren't in that top three, top four, top tier category as the Warriors, as if you want to say um, the Suns, the the Bulls. Do you think that the Nets aren't in that category right now? I would say the only two teams in the league right now, in my opinion, that are definitively better than us are the Suns and the Warriors. I think it's too early to say the Bulls. Obviously, the Bulls, this is their first good season in five or six years since probably D-Rose in his prime. So – uh, it's too early. The Bulls have had some bad losses, too, even though they still have a pretty good solid record. Uh, number one in the East right now. We're tied with the Bulls. Uh, so, yes, I, I I agree. I would say we're third. We're obviously not top two. I also want to say, you know, to defend us a little bit in that game, Durant was off. We shot 38% from the field compared to the Warriors, 51. That's a very good shooting night for them. That's a subpar shooting night for us. We were missing Joe Harris who is a starter who spaces the court. When you have Durant, Harden, and Harris on the court at the same time, you have three shooting threats. Without Harris, you have two. It's much easier to cover them. That's just common sense right there. And Steve Nash mentioned that in the post game. There was a lot that Joe Harris does in terms of movement. Like we talked about this lackluster movement they had, it would have been marginally better with Joe Harris on the court to space the floor. The other thing I'll say is, and this is, I don't know if this was a Nash thing, if this was a, a, a predetermined game plan but aldridge played nine minutes he didn't come into the game into the third quarter right and we talked about i i mentioned this and i i, I said earlier like maybe three minutes ago that it's because the the matchup made no sense for him why i don't know it didn't make that. sense for blake either because the nets switch on everything so aldridge was caught having to cover steph curry a few times the warriors started cave looney so it made sense for blake to be out there but he only played 15 minutes in this game. Most no, of the time, small. they okay. used, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Um, I can one, see that, but yeah. again, can you make the argument that Aldridge would have a mismatch is, at No, he's center? Okay, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking our team was getting beat anyway. Right. So the only way to fight firepower is with firepower. Aldridge at that time would have been our third best scorer after Harden and Durant. If, he's, if he could put the ball in the basket, why not put him in there? We were giving up so many points anyway. I don't think the difference between Griffin and Aldridge would have been marginally different on defense, but the difference between them on offense would have been drastic because, as we've seen, Griffin can't contribute on offense this season whatsoever. Right. Look, you can, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can go back and say we should have did this, should have did that. We did put in Aldridge eventually. I think it was still a game in that third quarter. He just wasn't able to really do anything. Um, the, the the other thing I'll say about the Warriors, they're so freaking deep, Nick, that you you forget that Otto Porter Jr. is on this team. Like, they're that deep. Belitza, Bialica comes off the bench. Iguodala, Kaminga, uh, uh, Damian Lee comes off the bench. Moses Moody, Gary Payton II, Juan Toscano Anderson. They just have such a deep lineup. 
Um, and when Clay comes back, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. The final thing I want to take away from this game, this isn't really about the basketball that was being played on the court. This is more about the fans. Uh, you heard there were a lot of Warriors fans in attendance, and when he was going off, there were some MVP chants in Barclays Arena for Steph Curry. This caused Stephen A. Smith to freak out the next day on first take, say that Kevin Durant will regret his decision. Uh, he should be upset with Kyrie Irving. He should be upset he ever even chose to go to Brooklyn. Um, did you think that this was a serious detriment to our fan base, or was this just an opportunity where Steph's going off, you know, the Warriors are a nationally recognized, beloved team. Sure, there's some people from San Francisco in the mix, but I'm sure there are people in the New York Tri-State area who are diehard Warriors fans. Um, did you think that this was was blasphemous uh, or, or like, no. you know, anything negative towards Nets fans? Or this was just something that happened? No, I mean, listen, like you said, the Warriors are their beloved team. Steph is the most liked basketball player in the world. He went to Davidson College and ended up being the best NBA shooter of all time. He is a small, somewhat scrawny guy that might be the most crafty, fun-to-watch player in the history of basketball. With that said, if the Nets were crushing and Durant had dropped 40, they would have done MVP chance for Durant. They were just playing with the game at hand. Curry looked incredible. Yes, I'm a Nets fan. I enjoyed watching Curry drain it from 40 feet out. It's cool. It's fun. If you like basketball, you like Steph Curry. I'm not worried about this. Stephen A says a lot of BS. I don't think anybody should be worried about it. Again, it was the way the game played out. I think if Durant was playing just as well, if not better, and the Nets were crushing, you would have heard a different story in the arena. Not a big deal. And I just want to point out that early in the game when Durant was playing pretty well, the Brooklyn Brigade did get a Kevin Durant MVP chant going. It happened before the Steph Curry MVP chant started. So I want to point that out. Shout out to Brooklyn Brigade. They're one of the biggest groups of Nets fans at these games. They're loud. Yes, Network loves them, and, and we all support them because they are the biggest Nets fan group at Barclays Arena uh, during most home games. All right, we move on. So we had a back-to-back -back the next night. We played the Cleveland Cavaliers in Barclays Arena. We were able to beat the Cavs 109-99. This game was a lot closer than it should have been. I mean, we pretty much dominated the first half. Cleveland torched us in the third quarter. The second night in a row, we got smoked in the third quarter. They put up 32. We put up 19. We were able to hold on for the 109-99 victory. Um, but this was a Cavs team, Nick. They were playing without Jared Allen, without Evan Mobley. No Colin Sexton, no Lori Marketing. They had Rubio put up 25 on us, and I was freaking out because most of this game, Rubio outplayed James Harden until the very end when Harden pretty much went off in that fourth quarter. Darius Garland had 24 points. I like his game a lot. Um, you got 11 points from uh, D. Wade. I don't – Dean Wade, Kevin Love, and C.D. Osman all gave you 11. Cavs, I mean, for, for an under – uh, manned team. The Cavs played the Nets very tightly, and, and Kevin Durant played in this game. James Harden played in this game. 23 for KD, 27 for Harden. Harden had 10 rebounds and 7 assists. Um, look, you're happy we got the win. It was ugly. LaMarcus Aldridge came in off the bench, had 24 points on 11 of 19 from the field. Patty Mills, also a big game, 21 points for Patty Mills, 7 of 14 from the uh, field, 6 of 12 from three-point land. Um, but nobody other than those four guys had more than 10 points. I mean, you know, you're happy that Aldridge and Mills stepped up, but what were your main takeaways from this win, Nick? Well, first off, I got to give a shout out to Ricky Rubio, who has never been an, a scoring player. He's always been a pass first point guard. I think he's shot sub 40 in his career. 
as a shooter. And now he's having the, the season of his life. Uh, he just looks so smooth on offense. And he's only 31. Can you believe that? He's been in the league since 2011. He, I think he turned pro in Spain when he was 14. So shout out to Ricky Rubio for somehow, like as a 31-year-old, 10 years into the league, becoming a knockdown shooter and just adding to his game. So so good for Rubio. He's a likable guy. Just to me, I was enjoyed this game. I know we only won by 10. I know we broke down in the third quarter. But whenever we needed a spark, we gave it to Durant, Harden, or Aldridge, and we had a spark. It was it was kind of an ugly game to watch. Uh, again, the Cavs aren't – they were missing their two best big men, arguably their two best players. Uh, they're kind of their twin towers down low. But I uh, I do actually think the Cavs are solid this year. They were 9-6. and six. They're now 9-8. and eight. They went on a two-game losing streak. Um, but again, never, never really out of control. This one just seemed a little closer. My only concern, my only takeaway, because this game doesn't need to be talked about too much, is the third quarter thing does scare me because that's not just a, hey, we get cold sometimes. That means we're not coming coming out of halftime motivated, okay? And that's such a major part of a sports game, no matter what your sport is. You watched NFL Sunday yesterday. Same thing happened with the Titans. Titans were down to the worst team, arguably, in the league. The Texans, sorry, this is Sunday, so two days ago. Uh, and they literally had one opportunity in, in the third quarter to start it hot, and they still came out soft, still came out and blew it. So I think mentality is something – second team yes we close in the fourth quarter yes we finish games more so than we have not this season we've closed out important games but the third quarter what i want to know what's going on in that nets locker room at halftime is durant grabbing his players is harden making a speech are the veterans like mills and aldridge and griffin getting those young guys rallied up to come back and win the game i'm just a little worried that they're too stoic or they're too quiet or no one's really rallying the troops at halftime. It's the only thing I think about in the third quarter when you start out slow. Yeah, uh, it's not ideal. You don't want to come out of the third quarter and, and let up 32 and only put up 19. I mean, the Nets put up 31 in the first, 31 in the second, and 19 in the third. So what changed, right? Um, Blake Griffin, another dud. I mean, I'm, I'm this is becoming a pattern. Two points for him, one of five from the field in 18 minutes. Uh, look, I love the fact that he's the leader of the blue collar boys club. I love the fact that he draws charges. He plays defense. He gets on the floor. He goes after loose balls. I mean, from an energy standpoint, he's everything you want in in a player, but his athleticism is not what it once was when he was younger. That's just a fact. He can still dunk the ball, but he isn't a dominating force on the offensive end. He's, he's a shell of himself on the offensive end. I think it's, it's safe to say he's not that good on defense to make up for his offensive woes. And it's it's starting to look a little troublesome for him. He has not hit virtually any three-pointers this year. If you look at his three-point percentage, it's disgustingly bad. It's like, I think it's less than 20%. Uh, you, can, you can fact check me on that. But that's just been hard for me to watch. This is a guy I love. This is a guy I really want to see succeed. But when he's putting up, you know, two points, four points, he's your starting center. His field goal percentage is like around 30%, which is not what you want to see for your center. None of that's good. Um, So, but you know, my big takeaway from this game is you have four legitimate options uh, to score the ball. Obviously you know about KD and Harden, but Patty Mills has been playing a lot better as of late. He's consistently getting you, you know, around 16 to 20 points a night and Aldridge off the bench has been great. Uh, So, so those are my takeaways from this game. We can move on to the Friday night matchup 
I just want to say, too, before I move on, Sven, yeah. that uh, Joe Harris was also out for this game. Yes. He still has that sprained ankle. Of course. He's missed the yeah. last uh, the last week. Uh, it was two weeks now. And he yeah. is expected, hopefully, if all goes well, to make his return on November 27th against the Suns. And the Nets didn't have Millsap in that one. Millsap's been out uh, for a few games. Um, and they also they don't have Claxton. I mean, Claxton should be back. There's been some stuff that's come out about him. Uh, that he's been recovering from a non-COVID-related illness, and he's just got to get his his body weight back up and his strength back up. Um, but yeah, the net, it's not like the Nets are at full strength; they're not. But they st- should still beat a Cavs team by more than ten when the Cavs don't have four out of their top six players. All right, we, we move on to the Friday night game is against the Orlando Magic. The Nets won this one, one fifteen to one thirteen. Uh, the Magic were coming off against a huge win over the Knicks. So they were motivated. They wanted to come into Barclays and beat us. Uh, that did not happen because James Harden on Kevin Durant's off night, because Kevin Durant was getting some rest for his, his shoulder injury. Harden's like, fuck this, I'm going off. He had 36 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. He was only 7 of 25 from the field, Nick, but 19 of 20 from the free throw line. 20 free throws for Harden means that he's being aggressive, means that the refs are finally giving him his due, and it means that the Nets are probably going to win some ball games if he's getting to the line that often. So excellent performance from him. Patty Mills, 22 points, another huge game for him. Um, Aldridge, 15 points, but he basically closed this game out. I mean, the Nets went to Aldridge down the stretch when it was a close game. Harden, you know, I love Harden, but he tries to end these games with his step back three. And you just want to see a better shot than that. I know that's his signature shot, but he was missing it down the stretch. So what did the Nets do? They went to their big man in the post, and Aldridge had some adult moves where he just fucking put it over some of these Magic players' heads, scored a few buckets down the stretch, uh, 15 points for him. I'm sorry, 15 points for LaMarcus Aldridge. James Johnson, Nick, I want to get to this man because I have been killing this dude on Twitter. Unfortunately, because of the injuries, because of Durant resting, Johnson has been getting time as of late. And before this game, he has done nothing with it. I mean, last, I think it was against the Cavs. If you look at his stats, he was 0 for 3 from the field. He missed three point blank layups, one of them being a dunk. He has been nothing short of the worst player on this team coming into tonight. Javon Carter's outperformed him. Uh, DeAndre Bembry's outperformed him. Anyone on this Nets bench who has gotten time, with the exception of the rookies, have outperformed James Johnson. Well, he showed up in this game, Nick. Eight of 11 from the field. 10 rebounds, 17 points. You just love to see it from a guy who's really struggled mightily. And a lot of Nets fans were not sure why he was brought here. But Kevin Durant's out. Everyone has to step up. I really like this win, Nick. This is a tough Magic team. You know, Suggs had a really good game. They scored 41 points in the first quarter to the Nets 25. You know, this looked like one that can get away from the Nets early, but they stuck to the game plan. They stayed true to who they are. They went to Harden. They went to Aldridge. They went to Mills. Mills hit some huge shots. I believe it was that third quarter when the Nets put up 37 to the Magic's 21. And um, you got the W, Nick. This was, I like this win, even though it was closer. I like this win a lot more than the Cavs win. Because collectively they they came together and they made the winning plays down the stretch in a tight matchup with a Magic team that wanted to win this one really badly. 
This was a who wants it more win, which is a really reassuring victory in our parks. We were just mentioning the struggles in the third quarter. This was an incredible third quarter, 37 to 21. So all around a team win, a Harden putting the team on his back. Listen, the Magic came in here with confidence. Like you said, we're missing Durant. We're missing the best player on our team, arguably one of the best players in the league, right behind Steph Curry in the MVP race. So Magic come in here saying we can beat this team, start off so hot, up 16 in the first after the first quarter, 41 to 25. And then after that second half started, we had cut it to, I believe, seven or eight. And it was just kind of us saying we are a better overall team. We have more talent. Aldridge and Harden obviously putting the team on their back. And then, of course, James Johnson. The, the, and then we talked about this a few weeks ago. As long as we have a guy stepping up that doesn't normally step up every couple games, right? Durant's out. Joe Harris is out. Who is going to be that guy? We didn't think it was going to be James Johnson. He said, you know what? Let me do my part. Let me be the X factor that helps us push past this Orlando Magic team that was scrappy, not doing great on the season, obviously, on the bottom of the Eastern standings. But again, this is the NBA. You miss one or two good players. Another team's going to step up and think they can take it from you. So good win. That was a three-game win streak there. Um, or is that two? Cavs and Magic. And then going on Cavs again. Okay. I'm not going to say that part. Um, yeah. No, this was this was a solid team victory. Uh, like you said, the Nets had guys who, who stepped up who don't normally step up. And James Johnson, Javon Carter had two threes in this game. Um, you know, Blake and Blake and Bruce Brown had combined 12 points, six each. Eh, DeAndre Bembry was seven points in 41 minutes. But the 36 from Harden, the 22 from Mills, the 17 from James Johnson, and the 15 from Aldridge, those were all great numbers. I also um, want to say just uh, before we get off the magic that this was a uh, an 11 turnover game for us, which is actually a below our average of about 14 a game, sometimes even higher when we have pretty pretty awful games where we hit the 18 to 20 turnover range. So 11 turnovers for us, especially with a guy like Harden who struggles at times making too risky of a pass or too risky of a play, that's a good sign that they were able to actually keep it on the field. Six turnovers for Harden. Uh, I just, you know, I I love Harden, but I want to see him get that number down because a lot of the turnovers are careless. I feel like he gets his pocket picked once a game. Someone just comes up from behind and steals the ball from him. I feel like on a a nightly basis. Um, I I think that's just a stagnancy issue. We talk about their half court offense. I think that's just not moving enough when you, when you really settle in and and you're focusing too much on the guy in front of you and putting a one, two step in or a step back shot, you you know, someone's going to poke that ball out. So you're right. I think he just needs to be quicker and, and smarter with the ball. Very funny to see the Wagner brothers playing together, uh, Franz and Mo Wagner. Aldridge dominated both of them down the stretch. I think most of the shots he hit in crunch time were over a Wagner. So that was good to see. Both um, Michigan, Michigan alum, right? Yes, sir. We're going to move on, Nick. We're going to talk uh, a little bit non-Nets basketball. There was a wild sort of skirmish in the NBA on, was it Sunday uh, you know, with, with football happening, it, it kind of got lost in the shuffle, but Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James got it, got after it. in one of the most bizarre scenarios I think I've ever seen on a, on an NBA court. So, you know, it was a free throw. Uh, I think that the, the shot was made. LeBron James was the third guy in and Isaiah Stewart was next to him. LeBron on his closeout clocks um isaiah stewart in the face very hard stewart goes down gets up lebron actually went over to kind of see if he was okay which was kind of weird because he just punched him in the face 
I, I guess he wanted to make it look like an accident. A lot of people think it was on purpose. I, I personally don't know. I, I, I'm not going to try to get into the mind of LeBron James, but he comes over to Stewart, tries to see if he's okay. Stewart gets up, immediately gets in LeBron's face. Did not throw a punch, but he was like, what the fuck? Players had to separate them. All of a sudden, Stewart's face just starts gushing blood. It was and his then eye. That's, his left eye. It was eye. And that's sort of when things got very scary. Stewart being held back from, by about six or seven people, two or three players, and then three or four coaches, eludes all of them, runs full court trying to get to LeBron James, truck sticks six or seven people. I mean, if you're listening to, to this description, you've probably seen the video by now, but just a wild scenario. He basically tried to go after LeBron two or three times after he was initially removed from the situation. So um, I've never seen a guy that determined to want to kind of confront somebody when there's like about 40 to 50 people in between you and that player. Uh, what were your takeaways and, and whose side were you on in this situation? So, well, neither, but here's what I'll say. Cause I've watched this video about a hundred times. I've also had ESPN on the back of the entire day and saw every possible commentators take on the situation. Here's what happened. And I actually fully believe this. You know when two people get in a jump ball and they're holding on to the ball and some dick guy wants to be the guy even after the whistle's called to hold on to the ball. So he just starts swinging his elbows to get you out of the way. Maybe just some overaggression, some just like man douchiness. LeBron was basically trying to say, get the fuck off me. So he threw an elbow. He threw an elbow aggressively towards Isaiah Stewart, 20-year-old guy from the University of Washington, kind of a nobody on this Pistons team. He throws the elbow he didn't mean, I don't believe he meant to punch him in the face. So he missed him with the elbow, but the fist came around and hit Isaiah Thomas in the eye. I don't think he meant to do it intentionally, but he intentionally meant to throw an elbow towards him as a sign of aggression to say, get off of me. So it was an ill-advised elbow throw that he meant to send a message to Isaiah Stewart. Did he want to hit him in the face? Maybe, maybe not. But throwing that, you're taking that risk. Here's what I'll say. Isaiah Stewart gets in his face immediately. Immediately, he gets up, there's blood coming out. He does not punch him. He does not punch him. He does not push him. He starts talking shit. Then he gets, like, he gets pulled away by Cade Cunningham, mostly, who's having an awful season, and everyone's holding him back. Then he starts sprinting at LeBron again. So one of the funniest takes I saw, someone tweeted something like, everyone here saying uh, Isaiah Stewart wants that smoke. He doesn't want that smoke. If he did, he would have hit LeBron from the start when he had an opportunity. Why didn't he punch or push LeBron when he first got in his face with nobody around? Then everybody pulls him off, gets him 20 feet away, and he starts acting like a freaking wildebeest, pushing his own players, pushing the refs. And then he starts sprinting through the tunnel to try to come around the arena back through the other tunnel. So this, to me, was just a dude being dramatic, wanting attention, saying, oh, now I'm bleeding. I'm going to try to fight LeBron James, of course. Because it's LeBron James, I'm going to make a scene out of it. But no, this is a, both of them deserve to be suspended two to five games. Uh, I think LeBron definitely should be suspended. Everyone's saying, oh, he's the face of the NBA. He's not a dirty player. He meant to throw the elbow. Did he make to, mean to make, uh, to make contact? I don't know. He meant to throw an aggressive elbow. And then, of course, Isaiah Stewart needs to be suspended because he looked like a psychopath charging four times, knocking over a bunch of people on his own staff. Like a tiny, bald assistant coaches, he was pushing to the ground. He was bulldozing. Uh, and then tried to just make a scene by running around again. So both players, even suspension, neither of them the right, neither of them uh, worse than the other, both stupid and aggressive. But again, 
lost a lot of respect for Isaiah Stewart acting like he's going to hit him, acting like he's going to hit him, but then just wants to make a scene by knocking. He only hit his own guys. He had an opportunity to hit LeBron said he only ran over his own guys, which is just bizarre. So honestly, really entertaining to watch, really stupid on both parts. But what I really hope, and this is the last thing I'll say, is that LeBron doesn't get away scot-free because he's LeBron, because that wouldn't be cool. And if you see Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook got a technical apparently for just like holding up fists and like inciting more of, of a rally, you know, just kind of getting uh, uh, the Pistons pissed off. And then at the his press conference, he didn't know he got a tech. I know. I so, saw that. Yeah, I saw so that. someone said to Westbrook, how does it feel about getting, getting a tech? He said, who got a tech? He says, you did. And he looks down at the box score and sees he got a tech. And he's like, I have no idea. He's like, I just got a, a tech for being Westbrook, I guess. For being right? Russell. Yeah, for being Russell. Yeah. I'm also seeing that LeBron James tried to get his number to apologize to him and tell him the hit was inadvertent. I'll tell you this. I am on Isaiah Stewart's side all the way. Uh, fuck LeBron James. He hit him. Fucking couldn't handle the reaction. My favorite part about this was when Stewart's trying to go at LeBron. LeBron is like standing behind a referee. That's like probably a hundred pounds less than him. Four or five inches shorter than him. Probably more than that. Probably 10 inches short, maybe a foot shorter than him. And LeBron wanted nothing to do with Stewart. But my, my message to LeBron is this. Don't start shit. If it won't be shit, you started it. And guess what? Stewart was going to end it. Uh, Isaiah Stewart. No, he wasn't. He didn't throw a punch. If he wanted to end it, he would have hit him. Can I finish? Can I finish? Isaiah Stewart should play football. The fact that he trucked all those dudes and just kept going was amazing. I've never seen any NBA player run like that through people. Uh, unless you want to go back to 2004's Malice in the Palace when Ron Artest ran into the stands with Steven Jackson. But even then, he wasn't trucking people like Isaiah Stewart was so wild scenario and to bring it all back to the Nets do you remember which net got into it with Isaiah Stewart when the Nets played the Pistons no Blake Griffin Blake really? so Isaiah Stewart's the- just kind of an aggressor I also think once the blood happened I think he just snapped you know bro if, if you and I fight and I punch you or you punch me and one of us bleeds it just takes it to another level um as Ben Stiller says Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. It's like a vampire. Right. The vampire smells move. the blood and then the animal instincts. Exactly. Exactly. We're going to finish up a uh, quick reminder to everybody out there. Last week, we congratulated Keith McPherson on his new radio job with WFAN. Tonight, Tuesday night, is Keith's first show on the station, 7 p.m. to midnight. So if you want to listen to the, the host of Talking Nets, New radio slot with WFAN. He has his own show. It's from 7 p.m. to midnight. I don't know what they're calling it. I should probably look into that. But I know that Keith McPherson is the host, and he's a big Nets guy. So I'm sure the Nets will be discussed, and he'll talk a ton about New York sports in general. So give it a listen. If you're in the car, if you're at home, you want to listen to something. I don't think the Nets have a game tonight. Uh, they, they don't, right? Could you double-check that for me? Um, yeah, I don't think they have a game. Check out Keith's inaugural show on WFAN from 7 p.m. to midnight. All right, Nick, you're going to get that, uh, whatever the Nets next game is. And we are going to close with... No, it's the Celtics on Wednesday. We are going to close, thank you for that confirmation, with what are you most thankful for? It is Thanksgiving week. We're going to be with our families. You're going to be with your loved ones. Nick, what are you most thankful for? Well, I want everyone, our listeners, to have an incredible Thanksgiving. It's a day of relaxing. It's a day of family, of good food. 
no pressure, no worrying about uh, about any of your issues, no stress. I think that's really important to de-stress. A uh, big advocate for mental health. Uh, if I had to say there's one thing I'm thankful for, I'm going to keep it on brand. I'm going to keep it Nets focused. I'm going to say I'm thankful for Patty Mills. I think Patty Mills was a big piece of this missing puzzle. I think he does both tangible things on the court, intangible things as a leader for this Nets team, and he is shooting lights out this season. He's. I've also heard only incredible things about his personality, about his demeanor, about his spirit. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, of being good, of being thankful, I'm thankful to Patty Mills. I'm thankful to him for spreading love and spreading joy and bringing a positive impact on this Nets team. I am thankful for Sean Marks. The man, the myth, the legend that put this Nets team together. They have not accomplished their ultimate goal, which is winning a championship or winning multiple championships, but you got to win one first. But the fact that Sean Marks came in, took this broken franchise that had no business being competitive, rebuilt them and made them a contender in a matter of a few years. I'm thankful that we have one of the best general managers in basketball. I am also thankful for the fact that the basketball gods gave me a jump shot and uh, allowed me to really channel my inner Joe Harris during our pickup game last Saturday. Great. All right. That does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Nick, since I did the closing last week, I am now going to give you a song and you have to sing the melody using the closing to Fireside Nets. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. All right, we're going to do Where is the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Catch you on the fire side. Catch you on the...